Are you going to be teaching kindergarten next year for the first time, or do you know someone who is? Teaching kindergarten for the first time can be overwhelming, and maybe you're feeling unsure of where to start. Well, look no further. I have the ultimate survival guide for new kindergarten teachers. I created it based on all the things that you need to rock teaching kindergarten next year. All the things I wish I had known as a brand new kindergarten teacher. Get your mindset ready to tackle the challenges of kindergarten, learn how to set up your classroom for success, and master key strategies for teaching effectively. Plus, prepare for the first week of school like a pro. Don't miss out on this free guide, and please share it with your new teammates and friends who are moving to kindergarten next year. Get ready to embark on an incredible journey in kindergarten education with me as your virtual teammate cheering you on. Download the free guide today at www.kindergartencafe.org slash new dash teacher. That's kindergartencafe.org slash new dash teacher. Welcome to the kindergarten team. Hey, teacher friends, it's Zipa from Kindergarten Cafe, and I know I normally do the quote of the day at the very end, but I want to open up today with a quote of the day. I had a student that was really so wiggly, (laughs) so wiggly, and a teacher checked in with them on sort of why they were so wiggly, just in terms of figuring out what could help them. And he said, I want to listen, but my skeleton keeps moving. I move and not listen. And I share that quote with you because when kids struggle with self-control and impulse control, it affects them. They recognize that it's hard for them and they want to do better and they just can't. So today I'm talking about all my strategies for helping students master self-regulation and impulse control. Let's get started. You're listening to the Kindergarten Cafe Podcast, where kindergarten teachers come to learn classroom-tested tips and tricks and teaching ideas they can use in their classroom right away. I'm Zeba, creator and founder of Kindergarten Cafe, and I help kindergarten teachers with everything they need from arrival to dismissal in order to save time, work smarter, not harder, and support students with engaging and purposeful lessons. I'm here to cheer you on through your successes and breakthroughs and offer support and resources so you never have to feel stuck or alone. Ready to start saving time and reducing your stress all while using effective and purposeful lessons that students love? Let's get started. Some kids come into kindergarten having pretty good impulse control and self-regulation, especially for whatever is developmentally appropriate for kindergarten. But some kids definitely don't come in having good impulse control and self-regulation, and some of that is absolutely developmentally appropriate. It's our job as teachers to teach them those strategies, and kids benefit from explicit teaching on impulse control strategies and recognizing that self-regulation in themselves. So how do we do that? I teach my students to, quote, be the boss of their body. And I talk about how their brain is in charge of what their body does, and they are in charge of what their body does. And so to frame their thinking, when they're having trouble sitting and listening to a lesson, they can be the boss of their body and tell their body they need to listen or tell their body they need a walk 
or tell their body they need a strategy. It's not that simple as listen, sit and listen, and that will work. No, some kids need strategies, but the be the boss of your body helps them to start understand that they actually do have control over what happens, even if it means getting a strategy or asking for help. Because it's not just like, oh, my body just did this thing and I, I didn't know where it came from. The idea is that they are empowered to believe that their brain controls what their body does. And so with a strategy, with some help, they can be in charge and boss their body. So when I notice kids are wiggling a lot or having a lot of energy, I'm, or you know, let's say we're getting in line and they're rushing around the room and bumping into people, I'll say, boss your body, get in line, boss your body, calm your body down. And this only works, obviously, after I've taught them what that means and how to go about calming their body down. We can't just say, calm down. They don't know how to. We can't just say, slow down. They might not really know how to do that either. And so it's important for us to teach them strategies for doing that. So one of the things that I teach my students is identifying how their body is feeling, the body speeds that they have. So I'll ask them, I'll give them examples for when their body's feeling slow, just right, or too fast. And when their body's feeling slow, they're feeling tired, sluggish, they, you know, are having a hard time focusing, maybe they just want to sleep or they're bored. And that doesn't help us learn. We're not learning if we're feeling so tired that we don't want to work. Our body's just right when we're ready to learn, we're ready to play, we're ready to be safe and have fun. And our body is too fast. And this is what I often see with my students that struggle with impulse control. When we are running around the room, when we're bouncing up and down, wiggling too much and getting distracted, touching things that aren't ours, things like that. And I give lots of examples of how when we are being too fast, we are being unsafe with others in the classroom or with ourselves. We might bump into things. We might hurt ourselves. We may be distracting others from their learning or distracting ourselves from our learning. And so it doesn't help our brains to learn when we're going too fast. And so then once we talk about what their bodies look like when they're going too slow, just right or too fast, we talk about different strategies that could help specific to their speeds. So if their body is going too slow, taking a little walk or getting a drink of water would help. I mean, think about when you're doing something you really don't want to do and you're getting really tired, getting up for a quick little stretch Getting a drink of water or a a drink of some sort really helps you sort of refocus and gives you another push to get through to the end of the activity. When your body is going too fast, a different strategy might be taking a calm, deep, relaxing breath. Maybe you need to get your wiggles out instead. So maybe besides calming your body down, first you need an energizer. Maybe you need to do some wall push-ups or chair push-ups. Maybe you need to do a walk around the... I'll do a lap around the school, uh, jumping jacks, giving different examples for that. Now, when I have students that really struggle with self-regulation, I teach them ahead of time privately on their own how they can take a walk or do sort of a movement break on their own because I'm not always available to take them. If I'm by myself, I can't take them on a walk. And I don't want to just send them out to go on a walk without any kind of expectations because they won't know what the expectations are, and then they'll be inevitably running around the school or, or whatever. So for example, just recently, I had a student 
that when I had another adult in their room and they were having a hard time, I took them on a walk around a little area of the school and I showed them a space they can go for a little bit of a, a brain break. Um, there's a little bit, it's it's like a sensory activity that we have in our school. So they, they turn this little maze thing around and make the red dots all go together. I don't know what it's called. I'm so sorry. But the point is, it's a spot where they can walk to and a little activity for them to do, and then they come back. And because I had shown that to him, then another time he needed a break and I was not able to go with him, I said, okay, this is a chance for you to go on your own, but take this timer with you. And when it goes off, that means it's time for you to come back. And he did it all by himself. And I gave him lots and lots and lots of praise for being expected for doing it on his own and saying that this means he can keep doing it on his own and, and things like that. But having those strategies in place for students to get that movement, to get the wiggles out, is a great thing to teach all your students, but especially students that really need that individual movement break. And for them, you want to teach them and model for them what you expect when they are leaving the classroom to do the movement break. But let's say that's not an option. You could set up an area just outside your classroom or in a corner of your classroom where you have a picture of a couple different energizers, movement breaks, options that you can do in this little area. For example, jumping jacks or a yoga pose or a wall push-up. A wall push-up is great because they are pushing their hands against the wall, leaning into it, and then doing a push-up off of the wall. So I have like a sign up right outside my classroom with, you know, it says ten, do 10 wall push-ups and 10 jumping jacks and then come back in. And so that works really well, too, if you aren't able to have kids walk around your building or you don't have an activity for them to go do, that that's another strategy. Another thing our OT taught us was to fill up old laundry detergent jugs, fill them up like halfway with water or a quarter of the way with water, and then send kids off for a quick lap around the air, you know, the hallway with these jugs. And she said that by giving them those jugs, it just gives them a little bit more input and a little bit more purpose into their walk. And so it helps refocus them a little bit more. You could also send kids with a basket of books because that's heavy. So it's the same kind of purpose of it gives them a little more input into their body for this break. And it makes them feel a bit more purposeful because you're sending them off with the basket of books. Just send a note or talk to the teacher ahead of time saying, hey, they're dropping this box of books off because they need a break and I'll get them later. Or even better, if they have someone that needs a break, they can bring them back at another point. And so the kids don't really need to know that it's pointless. But, you know, these are the kids that need frequent breaks and they do benefit from having a sense of responsibility and feeling like they are they're helping the classroom. So that's another way to get them to do a movement break. And again, strategies for calming down are also really important to teach the whole class because we use them for so many things when we're feeling upset, when we're feeling frustrated, too excited. But it's especially important because when these kids go off and do these energizers, these movement breaks, sometimes when they come back in, they're not calmed down. And so they need then a calming exercise, a deep breathing exercise to get themselves ready to learn. Or maybe they don't even need that energizer. They just need the calming activity. So I love to teach different strategies for deep breathing because for each kid, one strategy, one type of deep breathing might resonate with them more than others. And so I like to teach lots of different strategies. And I have free cards that you can take that have some examples on them that I'll talk about. And you can get them from the show notes of the podcast episode page. But 
some examples are if my favorite, my all-time favorite five-finger breathing, where they trace their finger up and breathe in, trace their finger down to breathe out, and then they go up and down, breathing in and out for all five fingers. Another one is you can say it's like a lion breath or a bear breath, but they take a big breath in through the nose and then breathe out through their open mouth like like the animal. Or a snake, same idea. There's different ones that you can do. And so I like to teach the different options so that kids can really pick the one that resonates with them the most. But it's important to teach these ahead of time because when they're really needed, kids are not able to hear you explaining a strategy for deep breathing. You can't be like, oh, let me teach you how to do a bear breath. You want to do a bear breath? No. If you've already taught them and they've already practiced it, then when they're upset or they're really excited, you could say, hey, do do five bear breaths for me. In addition to teaching these strategies for recognizing how our body is feeling and what to do about it, we want to do activities that help students build their capacity for impulse control. And these are games that you know and love and probably don't even realize do so much good work for teaching kids impulse control. The first being red light, green light, classic, but it takes impulse control for them to stop when you say red light. Same with freeze dance. It takes a lot of impulse control for them to stop when the music stops. Simon Says, my kids at the beginning of the year could not do Simon Says. I would say, Simon says, touch your nose. They would touch their nose. I would say, Simon says, touch your cheek. They touch their cheek. Touch your chin. And they would all touch their chin. (laughs) Simon didn't say. But after playing many times, they've now gotten much, 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 much better at it. So it is something that can be taught and practiced and should be routinely. And these activities are great for morning meeting activities just to build in through the day or if the whole class needs a movement break. They're really awesome for that. And it helps teach kids impulse control. Another fun game you can play is called the opposites game. And this takes a lot of executive function and impulse control where you say a direction and they do the opposite of it. And so I usually stick to three sets of directions and I go over those. So I'll say, if I say stand up, you sit down. If I say sit down, you stand up. If I say freeze, you dance. If I say dance, you freeze. If I say talk, you're quiet. If I say quiet, you talk. Or maybe if I say crisscross, you put your arms straight. If I say straight, you put your arms crisscross. Whatever it is, you can think of better ones, I'm sure. But the point is you stick it to just a few directions, but you tell them the direction to do and they have to do the opposite of it. So they're hearing your direction and then they're telling their brain, no, don't do that direction, do this other thing. And that's the perfect example of bossing their body. Their brain is saying to themselves, wait a minute, I'm going to do this instead. Don't listen to that direction. So it's a great strategy for working on self-control. Another amazing activity for self-control and impulse control is the bubbles challenge. And boy, is it a challenge. You have to really preface this ahead of time with what the activity is and why we're doing it. But You blow some bubbles into the group, and the students are not allowed to pop the bubbles until you say, go ahead. And that is so hard for them to see these fun bubbles coming down and not be able to touch them. (laughs) And this does work better in small groups just because you've got bubbles and kids, and kids are excited to pop the bubbles. 
but you can do it with your whole class, and I have, that it takes a lot of proactive work ahead of time just to, you know, make sure everyone understands the expectations. When I first start doing it, I have a very short amount of time between releasing the bubbles and saying, go ahead. I want it to be very minimal so they can be successful at first. And then each time we do it, I make it a little longer, a little longer. And even at the end, I might even make them all fall to the ground and pop before I say my magic words. But then I give them a chance to just have fun and free play with the bubbles. I don't have that be the only activity. We get to have fun time too with it. But boy, oh boy, is that a challenge for students. So this was already a lot of different strategies for you to try and use in your classroom. I do have a whole social emotional unit on impulse control. And I have a whole social emotional unit specifically for working in small groups with students with ADHD or who struggle with sustaining attention. They don't need to have a diagnosis to participate in the group, but it works on specific executive functioning skills. And so you can get both of those from my Teachers by Teachers store, and I'll put the link below. But if you want more specific strategies or if you have students that you don't know what strategies might help them, send me a DM on Instagram at Kindergarten Cafe. Let me know the situation and I would love to help brainstorm ideas for strategies that can help. I know that by doing this work, by teaching the whole class what it means to have self-control, to recognize how our bodies are feeling and what strategies we can use to help our bodies get just right, I know that over time it works. When you see a student wiggling, when you see a student having trouble paying attention and staying on task, go over to them and say what you're noticing. Say, hey, your body's really wiggly. I think your body's moving really fast. I think you should take a walk. Let's go do that. Or I think you should do the movement break. Maybe let's do 10 jumping jacks this time. So say what it is you notice their body doing. Say what you want them to do about it. And over time, they will start to recognize how their body is feeling. And by the end of kindergarten, one year, I had a student, and I will never forget it, they said, Miss McGibbon, my body is feeling wiggly. Can I take a walk? And I almost cried out of happiness because that is what we want. That is what we want. We want them to recognize in themselves, and it is totally possible, how they're feeling and what their body needs to do about it. So that's why we do this stuff. We do a whole class. We do it in small groups. We do it when we notice kids need it. And it works. So I'm not going to go on anymore. If you want more help than this, send me a message. I can do a future episode on it. I can walk you through it in my DM or an email. I would love to hear from you. So thanks so much. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Kindergarten Cafe podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information and resources, or just head straight to kindergartencafe.org for all the goodies. If you liked this episode, the best ways to show your support are to subscribe, leave a review, or send it to a friend. I'll be back next week with even more kindergarten tips. See you then.